<clears throat> All right, we're ready to go. How you doing, Reg? Feeling good? Feeling funky? Feeling good? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let me just clear the instrument. <clears throat> Feeling good today. I think it's all back to normal now, so that's good to hear, at least from my ears. I hope it's good to hear from yours. <laughs> How you doing? Good? Thumbs up? Very good. I, uh, I noticed you have not been eating these submarine sandwiches. Oh, you're eating later now. I see. Okay. Whatever. Trying to figure you out. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's do this thing. I'll give you the three S's. I'll give you the uh, countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. Number 320. Put it in the books there, Reginald. Is your name Reginald? Yeah. Reginald. Hmm. I think Reggie's Reg Reg or Reggie is better. <laughs> you don't hear that name very often. I think it's cool. Thumbs up to you. Could have changed it, but you didn't. Nice. All right, here we go. Star smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WTNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast, but most of all, get out there and tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone. Who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty, that devotion. Oh! You don't know how it makes my heart swell like the Grinch's heart when it burns three times the size of his normal size heart. <laughs> and if you like what you hear, don't forget. Go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, hit the prompt for this podcast, and my gosh, what a treasure trove you'll find in there. A rolling, scrolling, what did I say last time? A rolling, scrolling, or a scrolling, rolling something there's a lot of podcasts in there so listen to them there could be at least 319 yeah 319 which can mean only one thing this is episode 320 320 not 320 what am i daffy duck oh this is 320 you rat we wathkily rabbit <laughs> 320 320 wow 320 episodes of whatever this is as i said there's more where this came from and more to come but it's always good to go back to listen to what we talked about before because sometimes uh i will talk about things that uh that i've talked about in the past as a addendum or an update on something or a reference back and so it's good to be informed so this ongoing podcast dialogue that uh, that we've created over the last six years may 2016 more than six years now um can be enjoyable from both sides i'm having a ball on this side i hope you are too and if you've been around for that long or or maybe just the last couple of months or whatever it might be thanks for hitting play in this podcasting world, certainly in today's world, not back when I started about six years ago, but certainly now you you have a lot, a lot. It's all everybody's got a podcast today. When I was doing it, it was uh, it was it wasn't new by any means, but uh, it it wasn't like today. My gosh, everybody's everybody's got a podcast. From whether you're six or eighty six, you got a podcast. Now, whether it's interesting or not, that's another thing. 
Hopefully that little world is smaller and hopefully this podcast falls into that category. Everyone can have a podcast, but can they have a good podcast? That's what I'm going for. But once again, thank you so much for for coming along for the ride and uh, giving me an hour a week. As I said uh, many times, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It only is an hour a week. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you got a lot of other time. So I'm not asking for too much. An hour out of one week? And I can't remember. One time I did the math a few years ago of how many hours are in a week. I guess we can do that again. I'm not a mathematician, but uh, I used to be good uh, in uh, in grammar school. I was good in math. I always had good math scores, uh, in grades, uh, throughout grammar school, definitely. And into high school, even good into algebra. I even I was I was even okay with math. I did well in math when they started mixing letters in with the numbers. I was really good when it was all numbers. In grammar school, math, if you remember, was all numbers. That made sense to me. You know, English had letters. Uh, you know, science had uh, squishy, weird things. That sloshed around. Uh, you know, geography had maps. And math had numbers. A few little symbols there. You know, you know, a little plus sign or a divided by sign or a multiplication sign. Every so often they'd sneak in a parentheses. <laughs> but man, then when you get into high school, right off the bat... You start taking, at least I did, uh, high school, Algebra 1, and suddenly letters are involved. Letters are introduced into math. I'm like, whoa, slow down here. Wait a minute. In my world up to this point, math has always been numbers. What are we doing here with an alphabet now? Well, what do you mean? A, you know, A equals 25. You know, I mean, I was all right with with fractions, that was a little disconcerting in grammar school with that little line. I never really what did, what did what did you do when you did the when you first started doing fractions? Did you did your fraction line, you know that little line that you put the number on the top and the bottom? Did you do your line straight across or did you do the angle? I always liked the angle when you made a fraction. I still like that. I think the computer does an angle slash on the on the fraction. If you put a half, sometimes I like the angle. But yeah, every so often in in grammar school math, uh, there were little these little bits of 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 English grammar came in. But it's mostly symbols, like they said, parentheses. But then they started using letters. And that started to throw me. I, I was okay with algebra. It was, it, you know, I, I, I was a little taken aback when I saw A, B equals 42. I had to, I had to get my mind around that for a while. But, sudden, but I was able to, um, to, to grasp it, and I did well in Algebra 1. But sophomore year, whew, wow, that separated the men from the boys in my mind. Or in my school career, uh, I could not get a grasp of algebra. I mean, of uh, geometry. Wow, that one threw me for a loop. I'd like to go back now and and learn geometry. I wonder if I would have. I I think I got so. It was so different from what all other math was up to that point. With all these theorems and everything, it was so different that it, it just, it, I got into, either I got into my head or got out of my head, but wow, that blew my mind. And then I took Algebra 2 trig and whew, I was dog paddling through that. And that was the last math class I ever took was uh, junior year. I did not have any math classes, I don't believe, senior year, and then I didn't take any math classes in my college career for sure. 
that's when I uh, I decided or I figured out that uh, that my talents lie were were better suited um, to the grammatical world and um, the English and the speaking and the writing world. And so then I I went away from math and went into that side of uh, of education. So that's why I am a stickler for grammatical errors and punctuation and pronunciation. But I was, uh, you'd think, I mean, as I said, algebra had letters in it and, and, and grammatical symbols, but uh, I didn't like when they were mixed with numbers. I like my numbers in one spot, my letters in another, my maps in another, my organs and uh, my anatomy in one. I like things very orderly. And math started to get very convoluted. <laughs> I liked my math better in, in grammar school when it was all numbers. But let me get, how did I get off to that? Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. So how many hours in a week? Now, let me see. All right. 24 hours in a day. Seven days in a week. So this should be pretty easy, right? All right, so 24 times 7. 7 times 4 is 28, so 8. Carry the 2. 7 times 2 is 14, plus the 2 is 16. So 168 hours in a week. Is that right? that sound right? 24 times 7? Is that right? 168? So 168 hours in a week. Now that's a pretty that's a pretty substantial number. All I'm asking for is one. I may go over the hour a little every now and then. But for the most part I'm asking you for one 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 sixty eighth. And of course, if you're making that in a fraction, I would prefer that you do the the side slash on that fraction of the one one sixty eighth as opposed to the floating horizontal line on a fraction i like the slash i like the side the side slash for the fraction as i said before so i'm asking for 168th of your week i don't think that's a big uh, that's a big ask do you <laughs> anyway i appreciate you sharing that 168th that 1 168th i should say not just 68th 1 100th one one hundred sixty eighth. I appreciate you sharing that with me, and I will make it worth that hour. I will make sure that if, of of all the hours that you could possibly waste, you got one hundred and sixty eight in a week. How many of those do you waste? Hmm. How many of those do you don't do anything? So I'm 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 going to do my best to make sure that when you assign. To give me one of your 168 hours of the week, it, you, you, when you walk away from that hour, you do not feel that it was a waste of time. Now, of course, <laughs> as we've already been going through about uh, 13 minutes, you might say, well, Jim, you're already failing. <laughs> I'm 13 minutes into that hour, and I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I'll get there. Relax. Stay with. Stay with me. I've got an hour. Still got 40-some minutes to go. We'll take you to the home stretch. What I wanted to talk about today was uh, an interesting story I, I saw in the... Uh, I've seen it developing over the last several weeks here in the Chicago area. And it was very disconcerting. But it also got me to thinking about, uh, about my uh, days of yore. There was a story that the Chicago Park District... And this was, and, and I'll give. And now it's it's resolved itself. But initially, about two or three weeks ago, there was a story that the Chicago Park District was having problems finding lifeguards to patrol its, I think, seventy-seven pools and some of the beaches around the Chicago area, and you know. Scattered around the Chicago area, 77 pools, and then, of, of course, some beachfronts down by the uh, the lake. 
And there was a shortage of applicants and lifeguards that was delaying the opening of the pools and threatening the possible opening of the pools in summer. Now, you know, I mean, come on. When you were a kid, going swimming, I mean, even even for adults, you know, many adults, they still just love uh, to jump in a pool, right? To jump in a lake. Go jump in a lake. <laughs> some people have pools in their backyard. Obviously, you know, you know, here in Chicago, some people have pools. It's always been a popular thing. It's not like when we're living in, if you're living in one of those, uh, you know, areas on the, you know, south or the west coast, like Arizona or Florida, you know, on the east coast, Florida or Arizona or Texas and places like that where it, uh, the the, uh, the temperatures can be, uh, especially in Arizona and Florida, where almost everybody has a pool of some kind, whether it's an, uh, uh, an in-ground pool or above-ground pool, but, the, you know, it's so hot that it's almost, it's, 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 expected that you have a pool of some sort some people have huge pools some people have small but it's almost expected that you have a pool and in chicago it's funny when 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 i fly over chicago when i'm landing in at o'hare you 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 get when you get close down it is interesting to see how many people have pools it does get warm here uh in chicago certainly in the winter the only sad part is that you only get to use a pool for a couple of months you know i mean uh Hopefully June is warm enough, and we had a, certainly had a warm June. We had uh, several ninety degree days in June here in Chicago this year. So certainly, if you had your pool ready to go, you could take advantage of it earlier this year. But many times uh, we have a cool June, so sometimes you only have really two two and a half months mid February. I mean mid uh, September, and uh, and then it starts to cool down a little. Although we we've been having longer. Uh, heat in the uh, in the fall in the well I don't even know if we have a fall anymore here in Chicago but September now seems to be pretty warm things seem to have pushed a little farther away it used to be you know after once September came things got cooler that's not the case it's still pretty warm well into September and sometimes even into early October but for the most part you know your pool if you're in the Chicago area in Illinois you get to maybe use your pool maybe four months out of the year so it's still a it's a reasonable investment, especially if you, have, if you have kids. But certainly if you live in one of these hot weather areas, as I said before, like uh, in Arizona or you know California or Florida, where the heat and the humidity uh, or a, co- a good combination of both, you, you just want maybe sometimes you just need to you know, take a dip. You know, in Las Vegas, I mean, you're in a desert, right? You just want to just, even if it's for 10 minutes, just to escape the heat. But... Uh, but yeah, here in the Chicago area, if you didn't, if you don't have the luxury of having a pool, the the public, you know, Chicago Park District pools are were are and were for me a, a great um, a great option. I lived in the northwest side of Chicago when I was growing up, and uh, my pool, if you will, was the Portage Park pool. It's an Olympic sized pool. In fact. Its claim to fame was that Olympic swimmer Mark Spitz, and that name may mean something to people that were growing up in the 70s, but you may remember that Mark Spitz at the time, before um, Michael Phelps became uh, such a dominant swimmer in the Olympics over the last uh, decade or so, but before that, Mark Spitz won, I believe it was either seven or eight gold medals in the Olympics, and that was a record, and he became an instant celebrity. Back then, the Olympics were a big, big deal, especially back in the 70s, because we were still involved in the Cold War, and so uh, it was always the West versus the East. Any kind of uh, competitive uh, superiority that wasn't involved with tanks and guns and missiles uh, was uh, was used as a... Uh, as a substitute. So sports, ironically, that's the funny thing. We, we spend all this money on all these weapons of mass destruction in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and even in the 2000s, and even today, not as much now, but certainly 
in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, we spent all this money on these nuclear weapons and weaponry and weapons and weapons and weapons to make sure that we were ready to protect ourselves against the red menace, the communist red red menace. And really, those we never used any of them, still haven't. Uh, during the Cold War with Russia. Yes, I know, we we dropped the hydrogen bomb. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about World War II. Relax. I'm talking about the Cold War with Russia after World War II. We didn't drop any bombs, and they didn't either. But we were always in competition with them for everything, and especially sports. And the Olympics became a big deal every four years. They didn't have one every two years like they do a winter and summer uh, you know, alternating things only for every four years. But my gosh, when those Olympic ties came, I mean, you know, uh, national pride was on the line. We had to beat those Russians. And um, so the Olympics were a big deal. Once again, back then, we didn't have as many TV options. So when the Olympics were on for a week and a half or two weeks, it dominated viewing and it dominated the ratings. There was nothing even on other stations. They just threw up their hands and threw up reruns and said, okay, you know, Everyone's going to watch the Olympics. So Mark Spitz became one of the major, one of the you know major, major celebrities to come out of the Olympics in the, in the early 70s. He was on Wheaties boxes and everything. Variety shows he'd show up on. He was a good-looking guy, too, which didn't hurt. So he was on a lot of TV shows and stuff. But, uh, yeah, Mark Spitz was the Olympic swimmer, and he swam at Portage Park Pool early, in the qualifying rounds for the Olympics because Portage Park had an Olympic-sized pool. And that was my neighborhood pool. And uh, we would go to that pool on a regular basis during summer vacation. It was always open. It was always there. And it was like we'd be sitting around sometimes and just say, hey, you want to go to Portage? That's what you said. You want, and if you, and when we said you want to go to Portage, that meant you want to go swimming. You want to go to Portage? Portage Park is still a a, a a a landmark in the neighborhood. In fact, the neighborhood area is now called the Portage Park neighborhood. And it's actually one of the hipper, cooler neighborhoods as uh, as more younger people uh, are moving in there. But uh, but yeah, you want to go to Portage? So. Uh, swimming pools, for those of us who did not have one in our yards, the public park district pools were a summer haven to beat the heat, have some fun. They had Not only was it a huge pool, but they also had a series of diving boards and even one of these giant, and I wonder, I mean, it was, once again, it was an Olympic-sized pool, and I would assume, now that I think about it, it had one of those major diving boards that you could go off of. I can't believe they let kids do this, to be, to be honest with you. I never did it. It, it was just too scary to me. Um, but, uh, like, you know, when they have the diving competitions in the Olympics, they walk up those big ladders to get to the very top of those those huge diving boards. And they're not really diving boards in that they're not they're not flexible. They had a few of those flexible diving boards at the lower levels, but they had the tall Olympic kind of diving uh platforms, I guess you would call them. And uh, they had a lifeguard up there and and kids would would go up there and jump off. <laughs> I can't believe I mean that I I would love to see how high it is now. And I know I would do it today, but back then I was a little leery of that. Never went up. I, I'm trying to think. I, I, I think I may have eventually as I got a little older. And I think I stopped going there once I got to high school. But, you know, for a good three or four years, once I could drive my bike anywhere, you know, from fifth or sixth grade on, I would drive my bike to my friends who live near Portage. We would go to Portage Park Pool. No doubt about that. And yes, there were lifeguards there. Nobody it was usually high school or or you know early college kids that were were there. So it was very and 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 that this 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 story 
really struck me because uh, not only was it, it was strange to hear that they couldn't get lifeguards and that the pools may be delayed in opening or for there's a chance there that they were, might not even open at all. But when I was a kid, those lifeguard jobs were coveted. You couldn't get one of those jobs. That's how, that's how popular and in demand those jobs were. To be a lifeguard, you, you got paid pretty well. You got to, uh, to hang around the pool all summer, swim. You know, if you're a guy or a girl, you, you're a lifeguard. It's not, not the, the sights weren't bad either, if you know what I mean, right? Kind of walking around with your swinging your whistle around. You had a little authority. Hey, you, no horseplay. I never was a lifeguard, but they used to walk around with a little attitude, no question about that, you know, because, hey, don't forget, back in those days, you know, the lifeguard, you know, it, it wielded power. They could, they could kick you out of the pool. So you kind of always, you know, you walked with a little sign of respect, even though they were high school kids, they weren't that much older than you, but... But they had some authority. They had some power. That was a good gig. It paid pretty well and some really good fringe fringe benefits and perks. It was hard to get that job. And, of course, you know, you had to work for it, too. You had to go through some training and you had to pass the tests and things like that. But it was uh, it was a coveted job. And so when I saw that what that, that this once job that was uh, especially for, you know, high school kids or younger kids. Even college kids, um, that was that was a um, an in demand job with some prestige in that little world of ours when you're younger. Now in today's world, it had obviously lost whatever cachet it had to the point where, in June, with the heat, as summer was upon us, right? I mean, I know summer doesn't start until June twenty first, but you know the weather gets warm, and maybe that's when the pools officially opened. Was but but certainly it was like as soon as the pools, as soon as school was out, and the weather was here, those pools were open. I mean, we that that was a major part of our summer vacations, and uh, there was no such thing as a, the pools not being open on time, or that they couldn't find lifeguards. They were turning lifeguards away. In today's world, I mean, I know there was a lot of post, you know, you know, COVID, uh, you know, people, you know, there's a the workforce, and we're still seeing the the um, the effects of that. I mean, my gosh, when you drive past any restaurant, fast food restaurant, your favorite hot dog stand somewhere, even your, you know, some of your established sit down restaurants, you'll see in the window now hiring. Inquire within. You never saw that at all. Those places were always the first jobs to go. Always filled. I don't know how some people are getting by. I mean, and that's my question. I mean, and I had a job when I was in high school. I worked at the Jewel. I started out as a bagger, and then I got promoted to a a cashier, and I did that for about three years. From my junior year in high school through my junior year in college until I started to have a college internship. So I saw this story that not only were they having trouble finding the once coveted lifeguard jobs, that the pools may not, might not open. And they were so desperate to find people to be lifeguards so that the pools could open this summer and kids especially young kids, could have their summer fun of going into the park district pools, which, as I said before, was a, was a major part of my summer when I was a kid, that, like many employers today, they are luring people with, with perks and, and bonuses, you know, you know, money that, that is out, out. You never would heard of this. Like I said before, they were turning kids away for lifeguard jobs. 
the, the park district was so hard up for applicants, for lifeguards, that they were offering, in addition to fifteen eighty-eight an hour, what's wrong with that for an hourly wage if you're if you're a teenager for a summer job? Fifteen bucks an hour? Almost sixteen bucks an hour? That's not too bad. Hell of a lot more than I made. Double what I made when I was in high school uh, per hour, and I made a pretty good wage because I was in when I was at Jewel. I was in a union when I was a cashier. I was making a pretty good wage for the time hourly. But fifteen eighty eight an hour is not bad if you're in high school or even early in you know trying to find your way through in college for a summer job. Plus, they were offering another five to six hundred dollars as a bonus. To lure people, in addition to the to the wage, five hundred right on the top, right on top. Nothing, no no strings attached. Five or six hundred dollars on top, and then I think they're offering another extra hundred dollars if you got the job, and then you were able to refer someone else. You brought a friend in and said, "Hey, you know, the, why don't you get this job?" They give you another hundred or so, and they thought, "Well, for sure." I mean, now this, you know, they're going above and beyond. But that's what so many employers are doing now. They're offering wages that they the higher wages they've ever offered, or, or, quote unquote signing bonuses. Those kind of bonuses and like that was only in the white collar world. Never heard about that in a in an hourly wage kind of job. But they're we're we're so right now. I don't know how we're I don't know how people are 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 getting by, or are not even if you're a high school kid. I guess you're, there's no expectation that you have a job in the summer. Because that wasn't the case when I was growing up. I mean, everybody I knew, by the time you were 16 or 17, you had some kind of part-time job. Some kind of part-time job. At least in the summer, if not, if not throughout. As I said, I started uh, at Jewel when I was 17, and I was after school. And I did play some sports, but I was able to, to, to um, you know, to, to, to also work around that schedule. So I had school, I had sports, and I had a part-time job. But everybody I knew had a part-time job somewhere, whether it was at a grocery store or a retail store, you know, a Sears or, you know, back then it was Sears or Kmart or, or Venture. Remember Venture? Um, or you had a, a part-time job working somewhere, but obviously retail, you know. But and, and I said I, I knew many people that, at the very least, if they didn't work during school, they all had a summer job. And I, I knew a few people that were lifeguards at some of the parks and, and beaches in Chicago. And it's like, oh wow, how did you get that job? How did you get the the coveted lifeguard job? And now they were offering signing bonuses. And fifteen dollars and eighty-eight cents, and referral um, incentives if you can find somebody else. And they still couldn't find it. They tried to do that for three or four weeks, and then they finally decided they got what I guess they they've got what they got, and they wanted to open some of the the, the they wanted to open. They didn't want to close all the pools, and so sadly, I believe there are seventy-seven park district pools scattered throughout the city, and because. Of the lack of lifeguards, only 37, about half, less than half, will be open this summer. And they had to decide based on geography and and things like that. But half of the pools in the city are closed because they couldn't find any lifeguards, because they couldn't find anybody that wanted to work as a lifeguard in the summer. All I know is 35 years or so ago, you could I mean you couldn't get that job. There was there was there was some, well and but today like I said we're seeing I, I don't know I all I know is is I think if you if 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 you don't I I I mean look, we 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 work a majority of our lives. And I know over the last 20 years or so, if not more, um, there's been a huge emphasis on kids getting into college and 
and doing their, you know, their community service work and all these things for their college, um, you know, admissions programs. And so parents have been uh, supplementing their kids. I guess that's the word you could talk for it. Um, you know, they, they're not forcing them to get jobs. They want them to do their community service or, or get their tutoring or whatever it is to get into college. And they, so they bypass the summer or the part-time job experience. And I have to tell you that I think that was a very valuable experience. And I think that, um, that if for kids that don't have that, um, they are not only missing out on a valuable personal experience, but also a valuable professional experience that may help them. You're so worried about the kids getting into college so they'll get a good job, but the part-time job as a teenager is a valuable learning experience personally and professionally for you that, that, will, that will yield dividends down the line as to how you conduct yourself in the workplace because that's a key it's not just about ability and talent that may get you in the door but then you have to be able to do the job you have to be able to be on time you need to be reliable you need to be able to meet deadlines you need to be able to be responsible you need to be able to work with others and you learn that through real-world experience, I believe, with a part-time job when you're a teenager or in your early 20s. And you also learn about finances. So many kids today, I know I sound like in my day, but it is true. They get out into the real world here, and they don't really have an idea of even how to. What's a bank account? What's a, what do you mean a bill? I, they don't. They don't have. They never had to. They never earned their own money. They they've just asked for money, and they got it. And and the real world isn't like that. And now we're seeing, we're we're seeing the effects of that. We've got a whole generation that that didn't have a lot of part time jobs when they were growing up. And now they're out in the real world, and they're having problems. You see people are jumping from job to job. They don't, if they don't like it, they just leave their job. There's something to be said about working at a job because you have to, because of the responsibility of it. Today, people don't stay at jobs. They leave jobs if they don't have the right work balance. And, um, but there's also something about earning your own money as opposed to just asking for it. The real world does not give you money like your parents did. And I think a lot of young people, it's a culture shock. They're used to just having it. Everybody wants a title. Everybody expects now to make $100,000. I mean, I, 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 want, I need enough because I need, I need money to be able to do what I want to do. All I know is not only did I, did I learn responsibility, and working together and, and being on time and doing a good job and understanding the business world to some extent, but it also provided me with my own money. So when I'm a teenager, 17, 8 years old, I've got my own bank account now. I'm actually learning about saving money and spending money and understanding it and learning how to write a check and, 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 and do a, a, you know, balance a checkbook and seeing the benefits of working and earning your money and being self-reliant. There's a lot to be said for that part-time job when you're a teenager in your early 20s. And I, and I think there's a whole generation that, that, that was completely skipped over. And now that's clearly part of our culture because we're seeing adults People now in their 20s and 30s that don't want to work at a place. We're seeing places that used to, usually used to turn away people. Retail stores, it was hard to get a job at a retail store. It was hard to get a job at a, at a fast food place because the applicants were, they, they, they turned them away. And now 
All you see are now hiring signs everywhere you go. Those now hiring signs are aimed at younger people in their mid-teens and early 20s to either make money to help support their families in general or to to give them a work experience and for, for them to earn a little extra money and their own money. So they get to understand the dynamics of the workplace and the ethic, a work ethic, and the rewards of that work ethic. That's real-world experience, and a lot of young kids today are either being allowed to pass up or they're, it's just they don't want to. There's no peer pressure. Most of their friends don't have jobs. There's obviously no pressure at home. Their parents aren't saying, hey, go get a job, because in today's market, it would be easy to get a part-time job. There's signs everywhere. That's, I believe that's a major, major problem that we're having today. Everybody's talking about, you know, oh, our, the economy, the economy. We're, we've got so many businesses that are closing, not because they, they don't have the business. They don't have the people to help them run the business. This is unheard of. There's more jobs out there than there are people that want them. And I think, and especially, I'm saying, aimed at, at younger people. When I saw this story about the, the lifeguards and the problem that the Chicago Park District was having, finding, I just extrapolated it, and I, as I started looking around, I'm seeing all these, I'm just driving past places and going to restaurants and going to stores, and I'm just seeing now hiring, help wanted signs everywhere. In the summer, I could see maybe in the winter. You say, "Well, okay, you know what? You have to, you have to, you know, you have to, you know, concentrate on your schoolwork." Okay, I'll give you that, but not in the summer. I, uh, I, I just, I don't know. You know, look, I'm once again, I, I don't have kids, so I guess it's easy for me to say that. But I, if I had a kid. I don't think I would be a very popular parent, both with the other parents or with the kids or even my kids, because I'll tell you one thing, my kid would have a part-time job when they were, when they were a, when they were a teenager, they would have a part-time job, whether they needed the money or not, the money in my view was almost secondary. It was the work experience that I thought was very valuable to me. And I said, I had part-time jobs throughout high school and then into college, into my early 20s. While I still was going to college, I still had a part-time job. And, and the thing about that is, is that I didn't even think twice about it. It just seemed natural to me. And it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't like I had to, I had to have the money from that job because, uh, you know, I needed to help my parents pay the bills, but I became, when I, when I started that job, when I was 17, when I started working at Jewel, I began to get a sense of my own financial independence. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I wasn't making enough money to, uh, you know, to buy a house, but I certainly had some spending money if I wanted to go to a movie or go to a concert or buy some whatever it was, a clothes or some game or some new gadget or whatever it was out there. No, I you know, you save up, you buy things. I paid for my own gas later on when I got my car. It it gave me a sense of responsibility, and a sense of financial 
responsibility and a, a sense of financial independence. Yes, my parents were still supporting me. They were still buying the groceries and keeping the roof over my house and, and things like that. But I was also able to do things and spend money on things that I wanted without having to go to my parents and say, hey, can I have $20 or would I? I had my own money. Yes, the big things, yes, my parents still provided for me. But I still, through that part-time job, had my own financial independence in, in, in my small little world as well as important life lessons in terms of responsibility and getting there on time and doing a good job. And as I said before, developing a work ethic and developing a, 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 a ability to work not only with coworkers, but then work with the public as well. I think that's invaluable. And I know that if I would have had a kid, I, I know that I would have, I would have, made sure they got a part-time job, even if it was just in the summer. But I, that would have been a part of their growing up experience because that not only to me I, it helped me enrich and, and became a part of my adolescence and my early adulthood, but I also believe it was a very important um, enriching and learning experience for me to become a responsible adult. And I think a lot of kids are missing out on that. Parents became so focused on the college entrance exams. And kids wound up never having a job, never applying for a job, never going on a job interview until they graduated from college and they were 22 or 23 years old or 24 years old, never had a job in their lives. Never went on a job interview. 24 years old, first time. That's education. That's a part of your education. So here we are in 2022, and businesses were struggling to begin with because of COVID, and now we're coming out of COVID to some extent, even though COVID is still here, it's still not having the same kind of health ramifications people have in terms of of serious um hospitalizations or, or fatalities thanks to the vaccines that have done their job, even though some people don't believe it. I don't want to get started on that. But some people got you, you know, when, when people, you know, because some places were going out of business some people were laying people off, people were furloughing people. And then I, somehow, I don't know, people were able to survive without you. I don't know. Are, are people just, are they still getting unemployed? I don't know how that's working. But there's a lot of jobs out there, and they're not being filled. And there's a lot of jobs out there for young people, part-time jobs, that will provide valuable life and work experiences. And also make you a few bucks on the side, some spending money, where you can can have your own name on your bank account. You don't have to keep going to mom and dad for money. I know that's easier. But you can't, that, you can't always count on that. Mom and dad can't always control your lives. There's a time when mom and dad won't be around. There's a time when you get onto the real world and the real world doesn't care who you are. You are not the most important thing in the world like you were to your mom and dad. And they were able to pull some strings and, and keep you comfortable. When you got in the real world, there's a point where your mom and dad's influence stops and you have to make a, a, a road for yourself and if you don't learn how to start making that road for yourself at an early age you're a lamb to the slaughter you 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 are behind the eight ball when you graduate college if you go to college and you don't know how to make your way on your own i don't care what kind of college degree you have you haven't learned some important lessons about life that are not in that college degree. You bypass those. And those were important things that you shouldn't have bypassed. Now, I don't know if there's any young kids listening to this podcast, but there might be some younger people that are raising kids right now. Maybe you have younger kids. Maybe you have some teenagers. I don't know. 
what the age group is. But I hope you'll consider this. I hope you'll take from what I'm saying as somebody who had a part-time job and who really saw the benefits of it in many ways, not just about earning money. And the money is pretty good now because there's such a shortage. The, the wage is great for someone who's 17 or 18 to be making that much money. So that's even more of an incentive. Part-time jobs back then were, were, were low-wage jobs, but they were there to, for kids to augment, to make some, some money, and to get experience. And now the pay rate is on par with people that do it for a living. So you're actually making not bad, not a bad hourly wage where you could save some money for yourself, but you're also getting those intangible experiences and lessons that will help you later in life. But this pool thing really struck a chord with me because I'm sitting there going, so now half the pools in Chicago are not going to be open. We didn't think twice. It, the, the, the Portage was right down the street. We didn't have to, we have to go miles, as I said, back in, you know, in my day. I mean, once again, we weren't, we weren't driven everywhere like kids are today. We, we drove ourselves on our bikes, or we walked. Can you believe that? We walked. <laughs> or we drove our bikes, and now I'm thinking about some kids where there might be a pool two blocks away from their house, but that one's not open now. It's empty, sitting there. It's just, it's just a big hole in the ground. And now they have to go farther, so maybe they won't go as often. And I remember some of the great times we had at the pool. What was great about the pool in the summer at the park, like Portage Park, was a big pool. But what was also interesting was you got your life your, your, your experience, your world got bigger. You know, don't forget, when, when, you, when, you're, when you're a teenager, even an early, and I'm talking about, you know, at this point, I mean, we're talking about 12, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 years old, 14 years old, maybe from between 6th sixth, sixth grade and 8th grade. For the most part, during those times, your world is confined to your neighborhood. And, and, and your school. So you've got your friends in the neighborhood that live around you on your block or over the next block or a couple of blocks over, right? That's, that's your world geographically. And then your school, your friends. And sometimes, if you'll remember, you know, you had school friends in the winter and you had summer friends. You know, did you ever see that Seinfeld episode where Jerry talks about his, he had his summer friend and the winter me? And George and this other guy are jealous. Oh, oh, George Costanza, the winter me. Oh, the summer me. <laughs> because your school friends, you know, you saw them every day. And some of your friends in, in the neighborhood maybe didn't go to your school. Maybe they went to another school. You know, there was, there was different public schools and private schools, you know, Catholic schools, especially or Lutheran schools in the neighborhood. I went to a Catholic school. So I had some friends that lived around me in my neighborhood but didn't go to the same school I went to. So I didn't, you know, when I grew up with them as a little kid, but then I saw less of them because they didn't go to the same grammar school I did. So I saw those other friends during school, which is, you know, six six or seven months, and then got involved with extracurricular activities like sports. And I started to see less and less of those friends that, that were right across the street from me and were good, my best friends for a while, but because we didn't go to the same school, I didn't see them as much and fell out of touch with them and vice versa. But what's cool about going to the pool when you were 11, 12, 13, or 14 is that when you went to the pool, that pool was a magnet for people and kids from all different neighborhoods that were a couple of miles away. 
So it wasn't just your little little world that you knew so well of the kids that you went to school with. Suddenly, by going to the pool, your world grew by a big margin because there were now suddenly several neighborhoods that were feeding into going to that one pool at Portage Park. And when you're on your bike, you could drive a couple of miles. Portage Park was not all that close to me. I was in the Portage Park area, but I was I was I was a couple of miles away from Portage Park. A lot of my friends lived blocks away from it. And we used to hang around closer to, by their house so we'd be closer to Portage. But I had to drive a good distance on my bike to get to their house. But then there were there were there were kids that come into Portage Park from from all over the place. They take the bus. Yeah, kids used to take the bus. Can you believe that? <laughs> different world, folks. Totally different world. But my point was, I remember making friends or meeting people from other places within the neighborhood. But now the neighborhood grew bigger. My neighborhood used to be five or six blocks. Of a circle from where my house was, where my school was four or five blocks away, where my friends were two or three blocks away. That was my world. But then suddenly when I would go to the pool, there would be kids from living on the west side from the park or the south side or the north side or the east side. Neighborhoods that I maybe drove through on my bike, but never stopped, never knew anybody. But now I was meeting people. My world was growing. My social world was growing. And once again, I'm learning valuable lessons about meeting new people, getting along with people that I don't know, learning stuff, learning things from these people. Where do you live? Over here. Wow, where's that? Well, come over to my house. Okay, well, so now I'm driving my bike into new neighborhoods. Not far from my house, but never stopped through them. Never had a reason to stop. Now I'm learning new streets and new areas. My world is expanding, which is good. You always want to keep expanding your world. You don't want to keep you don't want to keep stagnant in the same little circle you've always been and you want your world to expand going to that pool was a major way for me to expand my social life to expand my my existence of my awareness of what's going on around me there's life more than just the five or six blocks around my house there's there's other stores there's other parks there's other streets There's other everything. There's other places to get a hamburger or a hot dog. In my world, oh, this is the best place for a hot dog. Well, suddenly someone else who lives on the other side of the pool says, well, this is the best hot dog. Never had it before. Well, you know what? You're right. Wow, where's this place been? Look at this park. Wow, these diamonds are a lot nicer than mine. Or this playground is a lot nicer than mine. Or it's just different. It's cool. You're discovering things. So that pool was a huge social gathering place that once again provided amazing fun experiences alone of just being able to go to a pool, but also helped to expand my own socialization of meeting new people, finding new things, exploring new places by going to that pool. And so I was sad to hear that now, Half of the pools in Chicago this summer, not only are half the pools closed, but they're, they're, they just open now in July. You know, once school starts, you're not going to go to a pool. And schools are starting sooner now. Some schools start in, uh, in, in mid to late August. So these kids that rely on the public pools for some of their summer fun and their summer retreats and their summer getaways and and just hanging out. Maybe they have a month to enjoy that because they opened later 
Or maybe they're too far in their neighborhoods now that they can't go. Maybe they don't have bikes where they can drive. Or maybe their parents say, well, I can't take it. That's too far. Maybe they're going to miss out now. So not only are some kids missing out on the work experience and the financial responsibility and independence that a part-time job offers, in this case, being a lifeguard, So there's a segment of our youth that are missing out on that aspect. But then without them, another aspect of our youth is missing out on being a kid and having some fun and also having some interesting life experiences and and having their own world expand at a young age. So you could say, oh, what's the big deal? Well, they can't find any lifeguards, so some, some some pools won't be open. Big deal. I don't know. I think it is a big deal. I think it is a big deal that there's a lot of kids that are not getting the experience of a part-time job in their teens and early 20s. I'm not saying that things were always better when, when, in my day. <laughs> But all I know is I'm grateful for those experiences. I think they helped me in my life. And I know that if I had a kid, I would want them to do that and have those same experiences. And they may do different things with them, but at least they'd have that experience in their back pocket of, at a young age, learning how hard it is to maybe get a job and hard it is to earn a li- to earn some money, and you there is amount of sacrifice. Yeah, it'd be you don't feel like getting up and going to, to your job today, but you have a responsibility, and you create a work ethic, and you get self esteem from doing that job well. There are so many valuable life lessons that come from a part time job that I believe are invaluable to a young person. And sadly, I think that many of our young people today are not getting that experience. And I think it's hurting them later in their lives. And ultimately, it's going to hurt us as a, as a society. All I know is when I go to a grocery store today, I can still pack a mean bag. And that's because... I had experience being a bagger when I was 17, and I haven't lost my ability. And I took pride in bagging those groceries and, and having them, especially, you know, when I was doing it too, they were, that we, there wasn't, I mean, later on there were plastic bags, but when I first started, it was all paper bags. And now everybody, of course, is going back to paper because plastic is, is our major enemy, which I think is ironic. Back when I started, we had paper bags, and they were saying, look at how great these plastic bags are. They were pushing plastic, 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 and people were complaining. I want paper. I want paper. I don't like those plastic bags. And then we were pushing the plastic bags on them. Everybody got used to plastic bags, and then 30 years later, they said, well, wait a minute. Plastic bags are ruining the the environment, so we're going to go back to paper. Now people don't want the paper bags. (laughs) But there was an art to bagging a paper bag so that it wasn't too heavy so that it fit either in a cart or it was easy to take from your cart and put into your your into your car so it wasn't falling over you put your cans on the bottom or you you lined the sides with your with your boxes and your cereal boxes and then you put your breads in the middle of all that and your eggs at the top or your bread at the top Nowadays, my God, those paper bags or those plastic bags. How many times you go to your trunk and by the time you get home, uh, they're all over. (laughs) They're not even in the bags anymore. Or if the people do put the the stuff in the paper bags, uh, they'll have the eggs on the bottom. Oh, it's the first rule. Eggs go on the top. Bread goes on the top. Breakable, soft and breakables go on the top. Your your sturdy stuff, your cans and your frozen foods and your, and your boxes go at the bottom to create your base. And then you build up 
I still pride myself on being able to to bag fast and expertly. And that's a talent and a, and a pride that I got when I was 17 years old bagging groceries at Jewel. Still remember it. Decades ago, still take pride in it. Still glad I had that job. I hope other people and supposed kids of today and the future will be able to learn the same lessons that I did, be able to earn a little saving money for themselves, but most importantly, to get a little respect for yourself, a little work ethic, a little responsibility, and a little self-esteem. Isn't that what growing up is all about? And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 320. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.